Thank you guys so much. All right, I am going to welcome Pastor Roger, and he's going to bring the word this morning. What? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so would you welcome Pastor Roger as he brings the word this morning? God bless you. Could we have all the moms stand? I just want you to know you're a gift from God. And we're blessed to have you. Isn't it awesome that the God who created heaven and earth, who's got more wisdom than any of us could ever think of, (laughs) planned for mothers? Amen? And he gave them a special heart, a special role in, the, in our lives and in his kingdom. And I just want to pray a blessing over you right now. Father God, I just thank you for, for every mother in this room and every potential mother in this room and every woman that had a heart to be a mother but never got to experience it, that you'd bless them today, God, and that uh, your word would be a blessing to them because they're chosen vessels, and they're, they're just an awesome gift from our Heavenly Father. And we thank you for them now, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. It's my privilege today to, uh, to bring you what I believe would be a message from God's heart about mothers and women. And I'm just glad that we serve a God of invitation. Aren't you? Not a God of condemnation. He's not a God that uh, comes to us and, and constantly chastises us, but he's a God who invites us to have the blessings that come from a relationship with him and to give, give us the life that he planned for us to have right from the beginning of creation. And I'm so glad that we have pastors like Jim and Pastor Jim and Pastor Kelly, because the message they share are messages of Jesus filled with invitation. They don't fill you with guilt and condemnation. Amen? Amen. All right. And in this last series, we've been invited to have the Holy Spirit shape the words and thoughts that we have, not only toward ourselves, but toward others. The enemy of our spirit, on the other hand, is also the enemy of our body, soul, and spirit. And his desire is to interfere with God's ability for you to have his mind, for you to have his heart. In fact, he constantly comes at us and he brings words of condemnation, right? Words of accusation. In fact, he's called the accuser of the brethren. But the good thing you can know is this, he's a liar. (laughs) Amen? Jesus describes him as a liar and the father of lies. So who would you rather listen to? Who would you rather learn from? (laughs) Our Heavenly Father who loves us unconditionally? Or to listen to that other voice that's constantly trying to to mess with us? And by the way, God wants to change our ability to think because he wants to change us from thinking simply like a human being who has a sinful human nature and who's doing the best they can to begin to think like a child of God. Amen? To have the Holy Spirit not only save us, but also begin to transform. The scripture says, I want you to have your mind transformed. 
I want to have your thoughts transformed. In fact, in, at the end of our last series, Pastor Jim did an awesome job of inviting us to realize that God wants us to have the mind of Christ, that it's even possible for you to be able to begin to think like God thinks because of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So, this morning I want to invite you to allow the Holy Spirit to show you and to show us all what God's heart for women, and especially mothers, is. And we can see this through the life of Jesus Christ, because he is God incarnate. Hebrews says he's the exact representation of the Father. And Jesus told his disciples, listen, if you've seen me, what? And if you've heard me, you've? And if you've seen what I do, you've seen what the Father yeah, you guys know your, know your word. Praise God. All right. Well, let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, 16, and, and 17. Here, here we're told about what it's like to be born again. What it's like from God's perspective. What he wants to see happen in our lives when we receive Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit regenerates us. One of the things he's trying to get you to understand is this. Grateful as we are, and I'm so grateful for what we heard this morning, for our human parentage, right? It's right to to today. He says, honor your father and mother. They're a blessing, or they should be. But he says, listen, now I'm your daddy. And they could do the best they could to train you up, but I can transform you. Amen? I can change the way you think. I can change your feelings. I can transform you from a a painful past into a blessed future. Amen or not? Yeah. I can change you so that you don't live with regret, but you live with hope. And I can change the way you perceive life and the way you perceive women. And that's what I want to see happen this morning. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to see happen this morning. Maybe you've had a wonderful experience with women and with your mother. But maybe some of us have had painful experiences, hurtful experiences. And it's difficult for us, even on Mother's Day. But I want to tell you, God wants to tell you this morning, I can change that. I can change that. In fact, let's look at this verse. It says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Do you see that? He wants you to see it from his point of view. He wants to change your point of view. He wants you to have God's point of view by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Then he goes on to say, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. You see, the Holy Spirit even changed the way the disciples saw Jesus Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... What does it say? The new creation has come. And what? Yeah, how about that? Is the new changing you? Is the new blessing you? Do you have that perspective that God wants you to have? Well, I just want to invite you this morning. In fact, take a moment right now, would you? Let's invite the Holy Spirit to come and do some mind changing. Come do some heart changing. Come do some life changing. Amen? Let's do it. Father God, we just come before you right now and say, whatever you want to change, we welcome it. Whatever you want to give us from 
your perspective that we need to change our perspective, let it come. We're willing to give up the old because that's your will. Make us new today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, let's, let's begin to find out some things from the Word of God about what we have from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, God's purpose is not only in having us be born of the Holy Spirit is for us to get a new DNA, a heavenly one, right? Did you ever think of that? John 1.12 says, those who are born of God are the ones who are in his family. And it's a, an actual birth that happens. And he really does want us to receive a new kind of identity and a new kind of life. That is his will for us. In John 14.10, Jesus tells his disciples and us, I only do what the Father is doing. I only say what the Father is saying. So as we look at the life of Jesus, we'll find out how God relates to women, how God wants us to relate to mothers, and how God wants us to have our heart like his heart. Luke 2, 42 to 44. Let's look at Jesus when he was a child and a young adult. It says that Mary and Joseph always went up at Passover because that was the right thing for them to do as Hebrews and as Jews and as faithful to the Father, to God. But when Jesus was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. Now, the custom that's being spoken of here is called bar mitzvah. It's when a young man moved from being a child to being one who was under the law. Because, you see... Prior to that, God wasn't holding them accountable to the law because he didn't consider them mature enough. But once they hit bar mitzvah, once this celebration happened, they became a young man, not a fully grown man in the, in the society's eyes, but a young man and one accountable to the law. So that was a special time that they went up there. And uh, it says, after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem But they were not aware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a whole day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. Now, I don't think my mother and father ever went a day without knowing where I was. I don't think any of you could say that either, amen? So what kind of an obedient child would Jesus have to have been for his parents not to worry about him for a whole day of travel. Do you think he honored his father and mother? Do you think he was so obedient that they didn't have one thought in their mind that he was anywhere but amongst the company that they traveled with? And they often traveled in groups, by the way, for safety because of the times. So it says, though, that... uh, on the third day, or on that end of that first day, they began to look for him. Hmm. I remember Pastor Jim telling us a story about missing one of his sons at a very young age and how it affected him. Can you imagine what Mary and Joseph suddenly started to feel like when their trusted son Jesus wasn't there? I don't know about you, but I've had a few parent panic moments in my life. Uh, when, when we were in... Um, Multnomah Bible College, Joyce and I were living in what, what was called 
uh, what's it called now? Come on. Christian Family Row, because all of the houses were owned by the college, and it was up for all the marriage students, and so this whole street was pretty much, other than one or two houses, all Christian families, right, that were students at college. But we still had some rules for our children, that they weren't to go beyond a certain uh, light pole without coming and asking permission to go there. And this one afternoon, I came back from class, and Joyce was was busy inside, and I looked outside, and the kids were nowhere to be seen. So I went inside and said, where are the kids? Did they tell you where they were going? No. I said, they're not out there. She said, well, I can't tell you. I mean, I, I ran around that whole neighborhood for probably five minutes, yelling their names, going through a panic, and uh, finally found all of their riding devices, whether they were scooters or bicycles or whatever, in front of one home. One of the children in that home had gotten two mice, and they were all over there admiring them. (laughs) Yeah. So I can imagine that when Jesus turned up missing, that Mary and Joseph were a bit panicked, wouldn't you think? And so it says that they searched for him for three days without finding him. Uh, by this time, I think if I were, I mean, how would you be as a parent? Would you be a little upset? Do you think you would have a hard time being calm <laughs> when you finally found him? But let's look what it says here, Luke two forty-eight fifty-two. 52. It says, when they saw him, they were astonished. <laughs> That's a nice calm word. And his mother said to him, Son, why? No, (laughs) she said, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And he said, Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Do you think it's possible that Jesus' childhood was human enough that his mother might have forgotten some of the things of God's promise about who he was? Apparently so. Apparently so. They did not understand what he was saying to them. But this is the part I want to bring to your mind. Especially you young, any young children that are in here, any teenagers that are in here. Can you imagine what your house would be like if you could be like Jesus? The peace that would be there? The honor that would be shown? The actual attitude of not my will, but yours be done, (laughs) even to our parents. So this is what it says. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And you can't be in favor with God unless you're living according to his will for your life. Amen? I mean, otherwise, you know you're in conflict, whether he is treating you that way or not. You know you're not right. But here it says, Jesus honored and obeyed his mother during his childhood and throughout his adolescent years. Or you could say he obeyed and he submitted to his mother. Jesus honored his mother as a man. We find the the next event at the wedding in Cana. 
And by the way, the scripture doesn't say when Joseph passed from the scene, but it's pretty evident that by the time Jesus was a young man, his father was no longer on the scene because he's never mentioned. But here, Jesus was at a wedding in Cana with his mother and his disciples because they were invited. And John 2, 3 to 5 says that when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine, as if he was the one that was supposed to suddenly supply it. And his answer to her is interesting. He said, woman, why do you involve involve me? My hour has not yet come. His mother wasn't moved by that. (laughs) Apparently, he was still in a submitted honoring mode. Amen? His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And if you know the story, Jesus then began to tell them to fill the water pots, and he turned the water to wine, and it was the best wine that the master of the ceremony had ever tasted. So Jesus honored his mother even when she pressed him to perform a miracle, quote, before his time. And you know what? God wasn't upset with him. Look what it says in, verse, in John 2.11. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. You see, God is the one who gave the command, honor your father and mother. Do you know it's repeated nine times in the scripture from Exodus 20.12 to Ephesians 6.2? No wonder God blessed Jesus' willingness to honor his mother. Amen? So do you see God's heart toward women, God's heart toward mothers? He wants us to honor them. He wants us to treat them with respect. He wants us to let them know that we appreciate their input into our lives and, our dire- and their direction for us. The next time we see Jesus treating his mother in a special way is in John 19, 26, and 27. The verse says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. You see, Jesus honored and cared for his mother even from the cross. Are you getting a view of how God sees how we should be treating our moms? Amen? Luke 13, 16. I want to, I want to, sorry, I, I almost jumped ahead. I want, I will be able to go on and see how Jesus honored other mothers. Scripture says that one day he was walking with his disciples and they went by a funeral procession near the city of Nain. And Jesus perceived that the, the young man in the coffin was the only son of a widow. And I'll bet he knew the relationship they had. Because he stopped him, and he raised that young man from the dead and gave him back to his mother. You see, Jesus honors mothers everywhere he goes. We could also speak of Peter's mother-in-law. He walked into the home. She was sick. The first thing he did was minister to to Peter's mother-in-law. Why? Because mothers are important to God, and mothers are important to Jesus. 
Or how about the Syrophoenician mother whose daughter was demon-possessed? She wasn't even a Hebrew. And he said, I'm not even supposed to be dealing with you at this point in time. For right now, I'm only supposed to be dealing with the Hebrew people. And she, she just pled with him for his mercy and showed that she had faith for him to be the answer to her daughter's need. And because of her faith, Jesus turned to her and said, your daughter will be healed. You see, he loves mothers. <laughs> Amen. God thinks mothers are special, and he's willing to listen to their, to their pleas. Mothers, be praying, mothers. I can testify that um, I grew up in a home where if you went to church, it was because you chose to go because my mom and dad didn't always get along, and neither one of them were willing to be the one to go to church at the time. Later, my mother became such a glorious Christian and example for me, but because she was a praying mom and she had received Christ earlier in her life, um, four out of five of her children are fervent Christians, okay? And the, and the daughter that isn't is so close because she has two daughters who are born again and a granddaughter who's born again <laughs> and a grandson who's born again. So do you think God's after her? <laughs> I know he is. All right. So Jesus honored and cared for mothers in his ministry, but he also honored and cared for women in many different ways, and many of them became part of his ministry team. Luke thirteen sixteen it says, In a synagogue he healed a daughter of Abraham who'd been afflicted by Satan and bent over for 18 years by a spirit of infirmity. He wasn't willing to see that woman suffer under the enemy. John 4, Jesus ministered grace, forgiveness, and life to the Samaritan woman at the well. And then he was blessed by the fruit of her testimony concerning him. Amen? She brought the whole city, and, he saw, and they saw salvation occur through Jesus Christ. John 8, 3, Jesus refused to condemn the woman caught in adultery, but instead protected her life and restored her dignity as a forgiven daughter of God. Jesus honored women. You know, did you ever think about this? Those guys that brought this woman caught in adultery to Jesus to see if he would condemn her? They didn't bring the guy. I mean, he was as guilty as the woman, wasn't he? But you see, in that society, they weren't honoring women the way God wanted them to. And Jesus was more than willing to show them the error of their ways and to honor that woman. John 12, Jesus honored Mary Magdalene for sparing no expense to anoint him at Lazarus' house just before his arrest and the fact that his death was coming. Luke 10, Jesus commended Lazarus' sister Mary for her spiritual hunger and eagerness to hear from God. Matthew 9, Jesus honored the faith of the woman with the issue of blood, who by faith got her healing simply by touching the hem of his garment. In Matthew 19, he was challenged. Is it right for a man to divorce for any reason? You see, the Jews had actually come to the place where they gave men the right that if they were not happy with their wife, they could just simply give them a certificate of divorce. They were dishonoring the covenant that God had given us to honor women. And so Jesus perfectly quotes 
Genesis 2 in the, in the marriage covenant and says, no. Have you not heard that from the beginning God said, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? By the way, ladies, the first name or word that Jesus or God called Eve was wife. Isn't that interesting? In Mark 15, 40 and 41, we read that near the cross and in Jerusalem, there were many women who followed Jesus and ministered to him and his disciples. Jesus was moved to tears over the brokenness and grief at Lazarus' tomb and compassion for Mary and Martha even though he knew he was going to raise him from the dead. John 20, after his resurrection, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene in the garden near the empty tomb, and he sent her to be the first witness to the disciples that he was risen from the dead. I believe this morning God's calling us to have his heart toward women and mothers. I'm so glad we're at a church where those who follow Jesus, those women who follow Jesus, are honored and given opportunity to be his witnesses, his ministers. Amen? And so I hope you realize if you come to Faith Chapel, we honor women here. Perhaps this morning God would have you, again, consider your thoughts toward women. I'd ask you to have a renewed commitment to honor and obey your parents if you're still under their authority. And if you're not under their authority, that you'd honor them for what they've done in your life, as we heard this morning. You know, maybe you just need to have a renewed expression of thankfulness for the mother God gave you. Perhaps this morning, you'd be willing to embrace God's grace and forgiveness if you didn't have a great relationship with your mom, and you could still begin to experience and express God's love for her. So I'd ask you right now, would you stand? I just want to pray for us. First, I'd ask you in your own heart, invite the Holy Spirit to give you his heart for your mom, for women, especially women who are called and gifted in ministry. And that should be every woman in this place. God didn't leave the women out, neither should we. In the Word of God, he talks about headship and covering. But headship is always servanthood. In Ephesians 5, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might present the church a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, washed with the water of the Word able to minister the kingdom. 
So I don't know what your church background or teaching has been, but if you've ever been taught that it's wrong for a woman to be used by God, repent. It's not God's heart. And you'll be robbing yourself of as we heard Lori's testimony, you'll be robbing yourself of releasing women in ministry powerfully for God. Amen? So God, you said God is ahead of Christ. Christ is ahead of every man. Man is ahead of every woman. But you see, that headship is a covering of protection and it's a covering of honoring and it's a covering of release and equipping. It's not holding down. It's not holding back. So let's pray together. Father God, may this be a church where women are honored the way you honor them. That mothers are revered for who they are and what you've called them to be. And God, help us to have this attitude not only here in the church, but everywhere we go. Men, I especially want to challenge you. Don't see women as an object to be lusted after or uh, moved by things that God wouldn't have you be moved by. If it's not your wife, honor women. They're daughters of God. Amen? And if that was your daughter, you wouldn't want anyone looking at them with anything but honor and protection. Amen? So maybe God needs to have some men repent in this room. Women are not supposed to be sexual objects for you to lust after. They're supposed to be women who are a gift from God, daughters of the King, and ministering saints. Amen? All right. So, Father God, we just thank you for this truth. We ask you to cement it in our hearts and our thoughts, change our thoughts that need to be changed, change our heart to be like yours. And thank you for showing us your heart in Jesus. Amen. God bless you. There'll be people here to minister uh, to you if you need ministry. If you want to to have that ministry, uh, we have a ministry team. But I also want to remind you that right now in the atrium, we're going to have some cake and desserts. And we want to honor Pastor David and Sarah, Pastor Sarah, as they leave us for a new ministry. Amen. God bless you.